It's Wednesday, so you've got me. I'm Carousel Baird. Hey, you can listen to me any day of the week. You can listen online at WRTFM.org, at the A Public Affair podcast, or on the WORT smartphone app. If you like what you hear, click the donate button and support community media. Your donation makes a huge difference. Six foot six above sea level. I grab the mic because I like to take you to another mental level. Low power frequency radio modulation. The big sound from underground. Hello, everybody, and welcome to A Public Affair. It's Wednesday, August 3rd, and you've got me. I'm Carousel Baird, and I want to remind you, you are listening to volunteer-powered, listener-sponsored community radio, WORT, 89.9 FM, Madison. And we have a fabulous show lined up today for the past several weeks, I guess for the past several months, we've been talking with candidates running uh, for election here in Wisconsin. And the election is coming up just next week, Tuesday, August 9th. We've been talking with all the candidates running for uh, Wisconsin uh, Senate and the United States Senate for the state of Wisconsin. We've been talking with candidates running in Dane County for multiple assembly races. And that's just here on our show, on all the other shows, all across the beautiful Wharton News universe. We've been talking with candidates and you can hear all of our interviews with all the candidates on the WRTFM website. Go to WORTFM.org and you can listen to those interviews. But, you know, the election is now coming up. It is next week, Tuesday. So we want to take a break from talking to the candidates to talk today about how do you vote? And it seems like so much has changed recently. Every every election, it's good to remember the process of voting. These are always important conversations to have. But even now, all the more so, it feels that lawsuits and changes and rules and People have been texting me in the last uh, few weeks asking me things like, I can't vote early anymore, right? Well, no, that's not true. There's so much confusion going on. This is all the more especially important of why we're having this conversation today. Our guest today is Wendy Hathaway. She's the executive director of the League of Women Voters of Dane County. Hello, Wendy. Thanks for joining us. Hi, Carousel. Thank you so much for having me on today. It is complicated. It's very confusing. And the rules do change sometimes election to election. So I think I'm really glad that we can talk about this today. Yes, absolutely. And I want to remind everyone right off the bat, we definitely want to hear your calls and questions. Please give us a call at area code 608-256-2001, extension 9. We would love you to join us. We have um, Rochelle in the studio, our news director, ready for your call. We have Megan, our engineer today. They're both sitting there. They're ready for your call. Area code 608-256-2001, extension 9. Um, Wendy, let's sort of start at the beginning. Like we said, it feels like there's just been a lot of process and change. Uh, in it, it feels like today's show and conversation about how to vote is a little more urgent than it would have been pre-other elections. Um, how how does the League of Women Voters feel about this? Do you do you, is it accurate that it is? Does it feel chaos? And is it actually accurate that there's a lot more going on now? I would definitely say so. Um, I have been on staff since November, and I was a volunteer for about four years before that, um, particularly in the area of our voter service and voter outreach. And just in that amount of time, um, I feel like we are constantly trying to keep up with what's changing, um, coming down from you know various legislative bodies, the rules that change the COVID-19 pandemic through voting into a complete tailspin where things were changing almost every day leading up to the April 2020 election. Yes. Um, And I can tell you every time something comes through in the news, we have this amazing group of volunteers because the league is almost entirely um, volunteer driven, volunteer led, volunteer run. They're so passionate and they're also so knowledgeable. And um, every time something comes through in the news, I am on these group emails where we're debating what this means and trying to figure out how to the best way to communicate that to all of our voters, to our members, to the public. Um, and that has happened so much just in the last several months. Yes. Um, we're trying to keep up with, with that. And, you know, we know quite a bit about this. And so for the, the average voter who may not vote in every single election or may not see every headline, 
it gets tricky, it gets confusing, and it can also be very frustrating. And in some cases, you know, might turn someone off of voting, which is unfortunate. Certainly have a chilling impact to hear all of these rules changes. And the fact that you're talking about you are on these listservs and and uh, email discussions where what does this rule mean that you in the know that thinks about this every day, whose job it is to pay attention to these changes and to make, you know, sense out of them. You still have a moment of, wait, what does this mean? And 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 pause, you know, that that is concerning to show how confusing this can be. Mm -hmm. Even just um, the simple things, if you think of, we'll say, traditional voting, you go to your polling place on Election Day, even that is not without its complexities. Mm -hmm. We just had redistricting. So, for example, a lot of people's polling place may have changed since the last time they voted. Um, if you show up at the wrong place, you cannot cast your ballot there. So it's important to know what your current polling place is before you go. Mm, you have to point. bring your photo ID. Not all photo IDs that you might think of would be accepted. For example, UW-Madison students can't use their WIS card. They need to get a separate ID in order to vote. If you're not registered at your current address, you need to bring proof of residence. Um, so there's there's already a lot of complexities when you think of that traditional, I drive to my polling place, I take a bus, I walk um, to a polling place that may not be conveniently located on a bus route. Um, I have to make sure I get there and I, I fill out my ballot. But then there's the other ways of voting. There's in-person absentee voting and there's restrictions on that. When you vote by mail, which a lot of people did during COVID-19, but a lot of other people have been doing that for years without controversy um, because it's difficult for them to get to the polls, whether because of a disability or um, working hours or childcare issues. And that piece of it just keeps getting more and more and more complicated. Mm -hmm. Well, and before we break down all the things that you talked about, I want to sort of say how much um, I appreciate the League of Women Voters because you are a nonpartisan, non-political organization. You just want people to be informed about how to vote so that people can vote if they want to vote. Talk to us about um, sort of that scope of being non-political in a basic, a basic issue that people have now found to be very political. Just the basic right of voting has gone beyond just a democracy conversation into a political conversation. How does League of Women Voters sort of maintain their focus and nonpartisanship through that? Isn't it wild that voting has somehow become a partisan issue? Yes, it is pretty crazy. We remark on that um, quite often, in fact. And the fact that we are nonpartisan, we like to say that we are political because the act of voting is political, but mm -hmm. we are absolutely nonpartisan. And that's a point of pride among our many members. It's something we've been committed to since 1920 when the League of Women Voters was formed. Um, and it's something that we are always very careful about because we take issue, we take positions on issues. Um, and some people might assign partisan politics to those issues, but we, you know, they're just issues that we, our members have voted on, that the things that we believe in, um, and we will never endorse a candidate, we will never endorse a party, because when it really comes down to it, what we want to do is increase civic engagement, participation, and education. We want everyone to be able to go out and cast a ballot who is eligible to cast a ballot. We want folks to um, take action steps in their committed communities to make change, to know who to go to if they have a question about a stop sign in their neighborhood. Um, we want all of the citizens to be engaged citizens, and that does not come down to politics. And so that's been a really strange turn in the last, I don't know, maybe we'll say five or 10 years, is that um, our efforts to improve access to voting and take down those barriers to voting has been seen as um, taking a side. But we are very careful to not do that. Our main goal at the end of the day is that people are able to go vote and go vote for whoever they'd like to. Okay. So with that foundation, and again, thank you. So uh, grateful for the work that the League of Women Voters does across the country, across the state, and your leadership here at the League of Women Voters, Dane County. Okay, so let's start with the basics. Showing up to Election Day. Election Day is next week, Tuesday, August 9th. If you're already registered to vote, 
uh, how does it work? What do you have to do? And, and how do you double check? I even, as I asked that question, if you're already registered to vote, well, what if you're, you need to double check, are you registered to vote where you live or were you registered to vote somewhere else? Does that matter? That is such a great question. And we always suggest that if you are not sure, it's better to check before you go. So I'll start with election day. Um, if you want to vote at your polling place on election day, the polls are open from 7 a.m. to 8 p.m. Um, primary election turnout is a little bit less than the general elections in November. But if the lines are long, we always like to remind people that if you are in line by 8 p.m., you have the right to stay in line and vote. Um, like I said, obviously, in these primary elections, that doesn't often happen, but it's good for people to know. Mm -hmm. um, and just a reminder to be sure to check for your polling place. Um, my vote, which the website for that is myvote.wi.gov. That is such a great resource that is run by the State Election Commission. Um, and that is where you can go to look up if you are currently registered and currently registered at your current address and also look to see um, if your polling place has changed. You can also go there to see what's on your ballot. Um, it's too late to register on the website for this election, but you can use it before the November election. Um, again, it's a little bit late to request an absentee ballot by mail, but you can do that on the website too. So. Those are the things you would definitely want to check. Are you registered at your current address? Uh, has your polling place changed? And so, so then there's oh, deadlines sorry. for that. I want to back up for a second. There's yeah. deadlines of if you find out that you aren't registered, um, either mm -hmm. you know you're not registered to vote or you find out you're not registered to vote at your current address. Mm -hmm. It's too late to vote in advance. And we'll talk in a minute then about what happens at the polls. But you can't do it in advance now? Is there a deadline for that? You can still register at your clerk's office until this coming Friday. At the, the clerk's office. The great thing in okay. Wisconsin, other states don't, not very many other states have this, you can register at the polls, which is pretty fantastic it and convenient great. for folks who have not been able to prepare for that ahead of time. So you need to bring proof of residence and we can get into all the documents that count for that uh, in a second if you'd like, but okay. you need to bring proof of residence and you have to have lived at your primary address for at least 28 days before the election. So that would mean if you moved between July 13th and August 9th, vote at your old address. If you've been there at least 28 days, that's your new polling place gotcha. and you're registered. Okay. So let's say you find out you've, you've confirmed that you're registered. Thank you for bringing up earlier. Confirm where your polling place is because there has been redistricting. Polling mm -hmm. places have changed. What happens if you show up at the wrong polling place? Um, the clerk should be able or the, the poll workers and the chief inspector should be able to help you find out where your polling place is. You okay. will not be able to vote at a different polling place, okay. but you can absolutely go to the correct polling place between 7 a.m. 7 and 8 p.m. Okay, so it's always good to give yourself a little leeway because you never know when um, redistricting moves your polling place or not. I have mm -hmm. lived in my house now for 17 years so i've been at the same address for voting for 17 years and i have voted in three different places so you know sometimes that happens and it's good to know in advance okay so what do you need to bring let's say you're at the right polling place you are registered in advance what do you need to bring to vote on election day you need a photo id so everyone who votes needs a photo id um that often is a valid state driver's license um, but you can also get a Wisconsin DOT issued ID card, um, even if you don't have driving privileges or don't have a driver's license. There are a few other examples that will work. A U.S. passport will count. Um, a military ID card issued by the Uniformed Services. Um, an ID card that's issued by a federally recognized Indian tribe in Wisconsin. Uh, so there are a few different examples. I mentioned before um, certain photo identification cards for college students. Uh, there's a really great website that I would suggest people go to if they're unsure if they have the right photo ID. Okay. And that's bringit.wi.gov. Bring it. 
B-R-I-N-G-I-T. Which is fun to say. Bring it. Yeah. Um, they have a list. We also have a list on our website um, of all of the different IDs that are accepted um, and also how to get an ID if you don't have one. You may be able to do that. Um, time is kind of running short for August, but um, there's definitely several groups, including the voter helpline that could help you figure out if you are able to get um, an ID before next Tuesday. Gotcha. And so everyone already, even if you're registered in advance, you need to bring your ID to verify a photo ID. Now, if you have to register, that's a different kind of uh, documentation. It, it may turn out to be the same. You may be able to use your, your driver's license for registration and for your photo ID, but they have different requirements. Talk to us about, okay, you want to show up to your polling place and you're not registered on election day. How do you register to vote? Yeah. So, um, <laughs> this is where it kind of gets complicated, right? It does. Um, you can, Your photo ID when you are at the polls on election day does not have to have your current address. But if you want to use it for proof of residence, it does have to have your current address. So if you have moved and don't have a new photo ID, you can use that for your proof of ID when you vote, but you cannot use that as your proof of residence. So that's, I mean, on some level that makes sense because it doesn't prove you live where you're trying to say you live. Right, correct. So the way that we like to describe it is that um, when you are when you are registering to vote, your proof of residence proves where you live. When you are voting, your photo ID proves who you are. Gotcha. Sometimes there's overlap. A Wisconsin driver's license is the most commonly used form of both of those, but a lot of folks don't have a Wisconsin driver's license. Um, So other things that could be included would be a paycheck, pay stub, earning statement, a utility bill, which includes cable and internet, a cell phone bill, a financial statement for a checking account, um, a Wisconsin hunting or fishing license. um, A lease agreement, I know you can use. A lease agreement, yes, um, report card or school transcript. There is quite a bit. and we. that's good to know. Yeah, and there's there's a lot that count, but there's some that don't. So, for example, um, I would want to double check this, but I believe there are some types of uh, bills that will not count. So um, we have a full list on our website, uh, lwvdanecounty.org. Um, all of the clerk, you, your municipal clerk would be able to answer that question for you, too, because there's a very, very long list of what is acceptable and also lists of what is not going to be accepted. So Okay. And I want to remind everyone we'll try we'll try and uh, provide information of what these all these websites are. You know, bring it and myvote.wi.gov uh, and and all the other uh, websites that you're mentioning and the League of Women Voters of Dane County website. We'll try and have links to all of that so people. Don't uh, if you don't have your pen and paper out right now, it's okay. <laughs> we will get that info to you. You'll be yes. able to find it on our website. Um, okay, Wendy, let's sort of keep going. Here's a question that I've gotten a lot when the conversation came out about the uh, the drop boxes, and we'll get to that in a second. What that means, people, a lot of people jump to the conclusion of oh, no more early voting. I either vote by absentee ballot or I vote on election day, and there's nothing in between. You can early vote. In fact, you can early vote right now in Dane County. Is that correct? That is correct. And where can you it's, vote early? Yeah, yeah sure. So early, it's we, um, we all call it early voting, but it's technically called in-person absentee voting because ah. you are casting an absentee ballot in person. Gotcha. Um, my best advice would be to check with your local clerk for hours and locations because it differs depending on where you live. But for example, in Madison, there are... I want to say a couple dozen locations at different hours and different times um, where you can vote in person absentee, such as the Madison Municipal Building on MLK Boulevard, but also several locations on the UW-Madison campus. I believe most, if not all, of the libraries, um, community centers, and things like that. I live in Fitchburg. And using Fitchburg as an example, you can only do it at the city clerk's office at City Hall. So it's really important to check with your municipal clerk. Um, But these hours run through August 7th in most cases. However, I will note, you can't register there on August 6th or 7th. So today, you could go in 
you could register and you could early vote. You can early vote August 6th or 7th, but you cannot register at that time. Gotcha. And does every every municipality have some level of early voting? Is it required um, or it varies? So if you live in right the town of Dunn, I'm just throwing it out there. Lovely. Love the town of Dunn. Hooray for the town of Dunn. If you live, is, is every town, every community in uh, Wisconsin obligated to have some early voting in-person absentee options? Or is it possible that some communities don't have that? That is a great question, and I'm not entirely sure. I'm familiar with some of the uh, the bigger municipalities in Dane County, but each single one, I'm not entirely sure. Although I believe it is fairly common, I'm not sure if it's actually required. So gotcha. that's why it's usually best to check with your clerk. Just check with your municipal clerk, wherever yeah. you are, the city, the town, the village. Uh, the county clerk maybe can point you in the right direction, but it's really your city clerk your village clerk, your town clerk that knows specifically what's happening uh, in your voting area. Yes. And if you're not sure how to contact your clerk, I'll go back to that My Vote website. Um, That will also help you find the contact information for your specific clerk for where you live. Fantastic. Okay. So that is happening right now. And the allowances, if, if it's happening in your community, it is happening through August 7th which is up to, so it's up to August 7th, which is two days before the election. Yes, although some municipalities will end it on Friday, for example. So it's that's why the hours, the locations kind of vary depending on yeah. where you live. And we know here in Madison, there are mm-hmm. multiple in-person absentee early voting options and that Madison does have options somewhere in the city uh, up to August 7th. Mm-hmm. Good to know. Okay. So a couple more questions. What if you want to request an absentee ballot? Is it too late to do so? Is there a deadline for how far in advance you can request an absentee ballot? So there's the the technical deadline and then my strong recommendation. So <laughs> legally, you can request an absentee ballot through the Thursday before the election at 5 p.m. So that's tomorrow. That would be tomorrow at 5 p.m. But that feels very risky because by the time the the request goes through, the clerk gets it in the mail to you, you fill it out and you mail it back again. There's a very good chance that you will not get through this process before August 9th. So I would strongly recommend not requesting it that way. Um, If you would like to vote early, I would recommend trying to do so in person. Or if you're not able to do that, reach out to your clerk or reach out to, for example, um, the Disability Rights Wisconsin Voter Hotline is a really good resource if you have questions about how to do this, if the deadlines are kind of concerning and you want to make sure you're able to do it. And what are the rules on absentee ballot if you have received an absentee ballot? So let's let's talk about all of those things. So you've requested an absentee ballot. Here it is. There are, you know, thousands of people, tens of thousands perhaps, that uh, and uh, Dane County that are sitting with an absentee ballot in their house, haven't turned it in yet, it has arrived in the mail. What are their options for turning that in? So again, it would be really risky to mail it back right now unless you feel incredibly confident for some reason that it will for sure get to the clerk by election day, which is when absentee ballots must arrive. Okay, I want to so hear you have that. Some so other the, options. it's not about when you mail it, it's about when it arrives. Absolutely. That, so if you yep. so mail it on election day is not good. Arrival. Arrival. You might have good intentions, but it will not count. Okay. Yes. So you have some other options, and this is what we would strongly recommend instead of mailing it. You can return it in person during in-person absentee voting. So if you have filled it out, um, you have completed your certificate envelope, you can take it to one of these locations. You can also deliver it to your polling place on election day, or you can choose to vote in person on August 9th. So what that means is if you requested an absentee ballot, but you haven't returned it as in it's sitting unmarked at home on your kitchen counter in a pile of mail, rip it up and you can still vote in person on election day, but only if you have not sent it back. You can also bring your ballot back, but only your own ballot to your polling place on election day. 
you pointed out one thing, only your own ballot. Uh, what if uh, you and your roommate, you and your spouse, you and your child, my daughter's not quite 18, but going to get there soon. Uh, yeah. Can I bring in multiple absentee ballots from my household? No. And that is part of the recent Supreme Court ruling from last month is that a voter cannot have someone else return their ballot on their behalf in person. Now, if you walked your daughter's ballot to your mailbox, the general consensus is that no one could check that. But if you are hand delivering your own ballot, it can only be your own ballot. You cannot bring multiple ballots to in-person absentee voting or to the polling place. Okay. Now, if you're not able to personally return your ballot due to a disability, what we suggest is contacting your local clerk to request a disability-related accommodation. You also will be asked to send a written request with the ballot. And um, like I said before, there's a Disability Rights Wisconsin voter hotline, if I can give that number. They are a tremendous resource to help folks who are having any sort of challenges with this. Yes, please give that number. That'd be great, Wendy. That number is 844-347-8683, the Disability Rights Wisconsin Voter Hotline. We are talking right now with Wendy Hathaway. She's the executive director of the League of Women Voters of Dane County. If you have any questions or comments for Wendy or uh, for all of us to hear, what are your thoughts on election voting? Uh, We'd love to hear from you at area code 608. 2562001 extension 9 and it looks like we have a call um from Thomas. Thomas, what are you thinking? Uh uh what I was going to say is that uh because of uh redistricting, I was in a different district and I voted already at the clerk's office downtown, but it was surprised me because the people that ordinarily would be in the district I vote for for uh, state senator, state representative, and some local offices was entirely different than were uh, than it was before in the last election. Mm, so yeah. people should be aware of that fact that when they go, they may think they're going to vote for a certain person, but they aren't going to because they're no longer in that district. And thank you for the program. Thank you, Thomas. I mean, that's a fabulous point. Redistricting not only may change where you vote, it may change who you're voting for. You know, I was on the county board for 16 years. I represented many different districts during that 16 years. My house was the same place the whole time, but sometimes my house was the you know, northern corner of where I represented. Sometimes it was the eastern corner. Sometimes it was smack dab in the middle. Right? Redistricting changed over 16 years. I wound up through three 10-year redistrictings because of the timing of my election, and I wound up with three different maps of people that I served. Wendy, Uh do people contact you, get surprised by that of, holy moly, I'm not voting. I don't get to vote for Carousel anymore, my favorite county board supervisor. I can say that (laughs) now because I'm not on the county board, so there you go. (laughs) No one gets to vote for me anymore. But once in a while, I got a call of, Carousel, I wanted to vote for you and I couldn't. I'm like, "Mm, yep, it happens. Well, and we absolutely get questions about what's on the ballot and and who to vote for. And of course, we would never tell anyone who to vote for. But it can be very confusing if you think you know what's on your ballot and you show up and it's different. So there's a couple of really good resources. Again, prepare to vote. Um, We we like to think we can just show up at the at the polling place. And sometimes that's that's not enough. And I would just strongly encourage people to prepare. So the first thing I would suggest is, again, on that My Vote website, you can actually type in your address and see what's going to be on your ballot. But then if you're not quite sure if these are new candidates to you and you're not quite sure about them, um, the League of Women Voters of Dane County and the League of Women Voters of Wisconsin, we publish a guide called Candidates Answers. Um, It's in print for the general election, for the primary election. It's only on our website. But we basically send questionnaires to all of the candidates in the larger races in Dane County and compile their answers and we publish this guide. And so if you want a nonpartisan look at the answers from these folks, it might help you get a better sense of who you want to vote for. Um, So that's lwvdanecounty.org, but vote 
411.org is also a great resource. Um, you can find those same answers on there. It's got other information that you might, or other answers to other questions you might have about voting. So prepare, prepare, prepare. Well, and I can tell you as, right, someone who was on the county board for 16 years and up for election every two years, answering the League of Women Voters questionnaire was a top priority. And there was one year where my answers didn't get published and I was on vacation and I sent the email and the email didn't go through. And, and it was just so, it was almost heartbreaking. And multiple people contacted me and said, carousel, why wouldn't you? I'm like, why wouldn't you answer those questions? I thought I did. I, the sending didn't go. And, and I mean, the, the wrath that I got because the League of Women Voters publication is so appreciated and, and well known as it's, you know, nonpartisan, neutral, neutral conversation about the issues. It's really just a wonderful resource. Wonderful, wonderful. And I would just love to get a shout out to the volunteers who helped put that together. It is an incredibly time intensive process. Um, there's a lot that goes into it. And we are just really proud to be able to um, have that as a resource for our community. Okay. So, Wendy... Still, my list goes on and on. So many questions to ask you about. I want to talk about drop boxes. Um, mm -hmm. And we have a clip that we're going to play in a second. Um, but there was a change in the rule. Sort of, what's the history? Did drop boxes exist as an issue before COVID? Was it there and it was just never on anybody's radar? I hadn't thought about where I'm going to drop my ballot off. Mm -hmm. Until COVID, but maybe that's because I wasn't an absentee ballot voter until COVID. You know, I think a lot of people are probably in the exact same situation as you. Um, I think absentee voting and the ability to return ballots by Dropbox rather than mail, because for people who have never done that before, you might feel a little uncertain, especially because in the last couple of years, there's been a lot of delays in the mail. And so people felt kind of more comfortable handing it in, but didn't want to vote on election day because of COVID-19. And yes. so um, this really helped a lot of people feel safe. It was supported by the Bipartisan Wisconsin Election Commission. Um, I, if I recall, about 2 million people voted absentee in the 2020 general election. And a lot of people have been doing it before that for several years without controversy. But in July, that's when the Wisconsin Supreme Court ruled that most drop boxes are not allowed in the state. And then that second half of the ruling was what we talked about before, that you can only return in person your own ballot. It was an extreme reaction to something where we believe there was not really an issue there. Um, and it was a huge blow to voting rights, especially for folks with disabilities. And it's just one more hurdle for Wisconsin voters to have to overcome. And Wendy, before we get to that clip, I, I just want to ask a follow-up question to something you just said, which yep. was the decision said most drop boxes are not allowed. Boy, that word most is, is slightly confusing. What does that mean? Mm -hmm. And it's okay if you don't really know all the details, but what does that mean when you're using most? So there's some, but not all? Yeah, so the rule states that the only drop boxes that are allowed at clerk's offices, the only ones that can collect ballots are if they are staffed by the clerk and located at the office of the clerk or a quote, properly designated alternate site. So okay. many municipalities just stopped using drop boxes because they don't have the resources to staff them. So in Madison, that's why they have all of these in-person absentee procedures. Um, because it's very difficult to do that. And so that's, again, why we suggest checking with your with your clerk, because in most places, you're just no longer going to be able to put it in that box, you know, in a vestibule or in all of those those pretty blue boxes that we saw around Madison over the last couple of years. Yes, yes. And so in a response to this Wisconsin Supreme Court decision, there was a lawsuit filed um, challenging uh, the availability of drop boxes by disability rights advocates and voters with disabilities. And we mm -hmm. have a little bit of a, a clip talking about their lawsuit. Megan, do you think you can play that for us, please? Our Wisconsin voters with disabilities filed a lawsuit last week against the Wisconsin Elections Commission over guidance that other people may not be able to help a voter place an absentee ballot in the mail. The lawsuit says that by not allowing voters with disabilities to have some assistance in casting their ballot, the Elections Commission violates several federal protection laws, as well as both their First and Fourteenth Amendment rights. 
Scott Thompson is staff counsel with Law Forward, a nonpartisan and nonprofit legal firm, and is representing the voters in the case. He says that the lawsuit aims to clarify current absentee voting laws. So voters with disabilities here in Wisconsin deserve clarification. Um, It's important that they feel secure in the bedrock federal civil rights protections that guard their right to vote. These protections include reasonable accommodations at their polling places, but they also include assistance from a third party so that they can cast their ballot. The lawsuit points to the Voting Rights Act, which requires that all voters with disabilities may have assistance voting. Additionally, the Americans with Disabilities Act states that public entities must not have any policies that interfere with a disabled person's vote. The lawsuit was filed in federal court, and Thompson says that they are looking for two main results. We're asking the court to enjoin the Elections Commission from prohibiting this ballot return assistance. And we're also asking the court to declare that these voters are entitled to use ballot return assistance when they cast their absentee ballots. The lawsuit revolves around a comment made by Elections Commission Administrator Megan Wolf, saying that voters could only turn in their own absentee ballots. Wolf made that statement in a press conference after a state Supreme Court ruling in an election case earlier this month. The court found that the use of absentee ballot drop boxes is illegal and that absentee ballots that are handed to clerks in person must be done by the voter. The court did not come to a conclusion on placing an absentee ballot in the mail. The Elections Commission later clarified that Wolf's statement was not a policy statement. Thompson says that even if they can't sue the state of Wisconsin over the rules, they are still able to find relief. And here, the state is exposed, or the state agency is exposed, because of the comments that Megan Wolf made, um, and that she herself has actually not retracted. Um, she said that people have to mail their own ballot, which is which is further than the Supreme Court was even willing to go. The Wisconsin Elections Commission could not be reached for comment by airtime. The plaintiffs in the lawsuit are four Wisconsin residents with disabilities, all of whom require assistance in delivering their ballot. Timothy Carey, one of the plaintiffs, lives in Appleton and has Duchenne muscular dystrophy. Unable to move his hands, Thompson says that Carey is physically unable to vote without assistance. Their disabilities are such that they can't physically put the absentee ballot in the mail or they can't physically hand it over to the clerk. And most importantly, that is the only way these voters can vote. They can't actually go to the polling place on Election Day. And so as a result, uh, these new rules um, or this confusion that has been created in our voting ecosystem really threatens uh, their right to vote. The next election is the partisan primary election on All right, I think we're back. Well, that was a really interesting um, conversation, and it even corrected me a little bit because I thought that the lawsuit was mostly about access to being able to drop off your ballot, but it was more than that. It was also about the conversation of having the assistance, uh, which you told us all about, Wendy. So thanks for sort of talking about this and the clip makes me even more confused that it just seems that there's not a lot of clarity of what the law actually is is that your impression as well yeah that's absolutely true um and that i think has been the source of a lot of debate and discussion and confusion over the last few years especially is that um there's been back and forth between you know what is specifically written in the state law what is interpreted in the state law by municipalities and also by the bipartisan Wisconsin Election Commission, um, and then also what the legislature may do or what the Supreme Court might interpret it. Um, Because all of these little nuances, especially something like people voting absentee in mass numbers during the pandemic, especially in those early elections, it was just something that had not been dug into before or clarified. And so everyone was really just kind of trying to do the best they could based on the law. And there's some gray areas and a lot of different people have come up with different interpretations of it. Um, So I think that 
unfortunately, the, the effect of that is it's just become very confusing for a lot of voters. Well, I want to talk about a couple. There's so many things to talk about. I'm glad we covered that a little bit. Wendy, can we now talk about absentee and early voting? So mm-hmm. I, a, a few things have come up. One, what happens if you voted already? You uh, either turned in an absentee ballot that you received or you have gone to the polls and voted early and now you want to change who you voted for. You know, people are talking about this now because a handful of the candidates running for U.S. Senate for Wisconsin have dropped out. Um, In fact, a candidate running for assembly in uh, District 80, which includes Verona and Mount Horeb, dropped out. We were going to have that candidate on the show today, but we're not talking with that candidate today because that candidate dropped out. Uh, But the truth is, you don't need to have a candidate that dropped out. What if you nobody dropped out, but you just changed your mind? The rules are the same. What happens if you cast a ballot early through absentee ballot and you want to change your mind? What are the options available to you? Yeah, that's on a lot of people's minds right now. And it's something I think a lot of us didn't realize that you you could actually change your mind. You can, we call it, it's called spoiling your ballot. Okay. Um, and you can request that the clerk does that, your municipal clerk, your local clerk, for any reason, which can include making a mistake or changing your mind or your preferred candidate dropped out and you want to show your support for someone else. So because we are so close to the election, The best advice I could give is to contact your local clerk as soon as possible. If you have questions or you're not sure what to do, call them or stop by because you have to make an official request for them to spoil that ballot and issue you a new ballot in person by mail or email. So you can't just call them and say, can you send me something new? You have to make an official request. And again, only the voter who cast the ballot could make the request. Um, But the deadline to request that by mail is tomorrow. And so with that deadline looming, I would highly recommend just visiting your local clerk in person during in-person absentee voting, if that's possible, Um, and just contacting them if you have questions or concerns. If you, so there's a couple nuances about what to do with this if that's not what you're gonna do. So if you already completed and returned your ballot, you can't spoil it on election day. Okay, that's too late. Unless you made that request in advance. Oh, whoa, that was bad on my part for interrupting you mid-sentence. You can't do this unless what? Unless you cancel your absentee ballot in advance. So again, contact your clerk to confirm that this is an option. But you basically can ask them for advice on how to spoil the ballot. Okay. So you need to contact them and make that request first. You cannot just on your own hold on to it for the next couple of days, walk in on Tuesday, hand over your ballot and say, I want a new, I want to spoil this. You have to have made the request in advance before then. But if you so, show up on Tuesday, that means you haven't turned your absentee ballot in. Is it possible to show up on Tuesday and vote because you never turned your ballot in? Yes. Okay. <laughs> I had to think through what you were saying. If you completed and re- okay, so let me go back. See, this is even complicated. Right, for right. Me and well, I mean, well, I live this world. And my my question started with what if you turned them in? So if you turned it in, then you can't just show up on election day and say, "Give me a new ballot." Correct. So if you completed it and returned it, however you returned it, you'd be showing up empty-handed because you returned it. You can't say to the poll worker. I want to, I changed my mind. I want a new ballot. Okay. Unless you have confirmed that that's okay in advance. If you filled it out and you signed your certificate, but you have not returned it, rip it up, throw it in the garbage, and then you can still vote on election. So then you can vote on election day as long as you haven't turned it in yet. Absolutely. If you have not returned your ballot, so it's unmarked in your pile of mail, or it's marked and you changed your mind, as long as it's still in your possession and you have not returned it to the clerk, you can vote on election day. They'll ask you um, because so some, you know, whether it's a paper poll book or an electronic poll book, there will be a note that you requested an absentee ballot and the poll worker will have to confirm that you did not return that because obviously that's a safeguard against people trying to vote twice. But as long as you have not returned it and you verify and certify, confirm that you have not returned it, 
it's at home, ripped up in the garbage, you can vote on election day. So what about minus election day? You've turned in your ballot and you want to spoil it and vote again. Can you now go to, and you, let's say you live in the city of Madison. So can mm-hmm. you go to the city of Madison clerk's office today during yes. their open hours? Okay. Yes, that's what I would strongly recommend doing in person. Um, bring bring all of your documents just to be safe. Um, I would suggest going in person um, today, tomorrow, Friday, um, just to be sure that what you are intending to do is what's going to happen. That's, that, that would be my best bet is to go in person. That way you don't need to call in advance and get permission. You have every right to go in today, tomorrow, Friday, before uh, you know the end of the week. And say, I want a new ballot. I did mail my ballot in, but I want to spoil that. Then you have the ability to do that. Yes. But again, just because this ch- this changes from municipality to municipality. So what one clerk might do in one place, that might be slightly different according to their procedures and how much staff they have ah. and what their hours are. So if you have questions or don't feel confident, I would just recommend giving them a call. Um, but in general, that's how it works. Okay. And I want to take sort of now review more general conversations about absentee ballots. Mm-hmm. How far in advance can you request your absentee ballot? Can I request it for the November election? Can I request it for the elections in 2023? So um, I am uncertain right now of the exact date, but yes, you could request your absentee ballot for November. Um when the next calendar year starts, uh, I apologize, I don't know this number off the top of my head, but there's a certain amount of time before the February and April elections okay. that you'll be able to go onto the My Vote website and you can click a button that requests them for the entire year. Um, so that's something that's good to keep in mind. And I've run into this as a poll worker. Um, unless you are certifying that you are indefinitely confined, which is a, a different a different category of voter, you cannot request ballots indefinitely. And a lot of people were confused about that because in 2020, they might have requested um, ballots for all of the elections, again, because of COVID. And then in 2021, we had folks come in and say, well, I never got my absentee ballot. And it's because they thought it was coming in forever indefinitely. And that's not the case. So yes, right now, Carousel, you could go request your ballot for November. Okay. And now, Wendy, here's the fun question. There seems to be a legal issue uh, happening right now about people requesting someone else's absentee ballot on myvote.w.gov, the government website. Tell tell me about that. Do do you know the details of what's going on with that? Yeah, I'll try to give a quick summary of that um, in case some listeners have not been up on this. But there was a man in Racine County who admitted to ordering absentee ballots on behalf of around 10 to 12 people without permission, like some of his friends, but also the mayor of Racine and Assembly Speaker Robin Boss. And he requested the ballots be mailed to his own house just to prove that he could, which appears to likely be a felony. Um he allegedly did this. I don't want to say it was a crime, but you are not allowed to do that. And you, he did that on the My Vote website. That's right. He pretended to be someone else to request yes. their ballot. He pretended mm-hmm. to be Mayor Corey Mason and other elected officials and uh, other individuals who he clearly was not. Okay. Yeah. And he was able to do that. But doing that, if found guilty, is a felony. And the penalties could include fines or jail time. Um, there are some systems in place to prevent this. So for example, a clerk that sees a whole bunch of these requests would probably get suspicious that they're all going to the same address because these requests all go through your local clerk. Um, and then on election day, or if the actual voter requests an absentee ballot and is denied, the clerk can very easily follow up and find out where the fraudulently requested ballot was sent, could refer it for prosecution. If it happens on election day, a couple of different things might happen um, where if it was processed, the clerk might um, invalidate it. You know, there's a lot of things that would happen, but it just there there technically, I guess you could say there is a vulnerability in the system. And if someone's willing to commit a crime, it's not 100 percent foolproof, but it's also hard to make voting 100 percent foolproof without erecting these very extreme barriers to voting for many, many people. And there's plenty of reasons someone might want to request an absentee ballot ballot to an address that's not their primary residence, like if you're active military personnel. 
So I wonder what's going to happen next, right? Because the conversation, it does seem that this individual committed a felony by requesting these ballots. And I understand that their their intent was to highlight a flaw in the system. But what they did was show if you commit a crime, there's a flaw in the system, which right has its own complexities to it. And do you know, are there conversations now about making changes or is it really too early to tell what the heck is going to be the response to this? Um, the latest that I believe that I read on this is that the Elections Commission, one of the things that this man requested um, was that they not allow that they remove the option from the website of allowing um, you to be able to select a different address. Um, but that's also an option if you fill out a paper request form to get an absentee ballot. So they have they have said that for now they are not going to um, they are not going to remove that option. I'm not sure if there will be prosecution. I haven't seen the latest on whether that is something that would come up. Um, but yeah, I think yeah, it's just an interesting case to um, potentially commit a crime to try to prove something that would be very difficult to do in any sort of large scale um, and would very easily be caught by our many amazing municipal clerks. I mean, the clerks that work in Wisconsin are overworked and um, they are so knowledgeable and they do so much to help protect democracy. So, you know, big applause for them too. They, they would most likely be catching this anyway. And- Wendy, we just got a question from a caller that wanted to know if you can vote at the county clerk's office. Can you vote at a county clerk's office? I thought you could only vote in each municipality, but to tell you the truth, I don't know the answer to that. I've never heard that question. I'm not 100% sure, but I'm 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 close to sure that no, um, the county clerk's office helps administer the elections and the results in our Dane County municipalities, but your polling place would most likely be in your municipality. I am almost positive that the county clerk does not um, host voting locations there. We have so many things to talk about, Wendy, and I'm never going to We we there, there's still a couple more questions I have left. We're not going to have time to get to them. I really enjoy and appreciate you joining us today. Any final words in our last minute here? No, I just voting can sometimes seem like a challenge or a hassle or there's a lot of work, but everyone, it is so important and There are a lot of resources out there. Um, The League of Women Voters is always there to help. We also, with the Dane County NAACP, sponsor a nonpartisan voter helpline. You can call or text anytime at 608-285-2141. We want to help everyone who wants to vote be able to cast a ballot. Well, Wendy, it's been wonderful talking with you. So much to talk about. This conversation is really important. I really appreciate all the work that you and the League of Women Voters do. Wendy Hathaway, Executive Director of the League of Women Voters of Dane County. Thanks so much for joining us today. Thank you so much for inviting me. It was great to talk to you. And a huge thank you to Rochelle and Sholly for putting the show together. Thanks, Megan, uh, for engineering. And we'll see everyone again next week. And don't forget to vote on Tuesday. Bye, everyone.